0: Welcome to the Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan. that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! The Golf Show is presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you in part by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Forest Hills Resort, Moorhead Parks, Wildflower Golf Course, and Ostedt's Golf. Here it comes
1: goodness. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that?
0: Now, let's head to the first tee. This guy's pretty good. And here's your host, Jeff Kolpak.
1: And this is Jeff Kolpak on a Saturday morning. 107.3 FM, 740 The Fan. The website is 740thefan.com. Not the best weather we've had this week, certainly, and that is April. That's the world we live in. But, uh, you know, there's ways around it. Uh, First of all, later in the show, Jason Lamp, who has been a head professional at some of the best golf courses in the country, is going to join us in the second half. But I want to get back to the weather and something to do this week. If you don't know what to do, head to the local golf shop, and and maybe it's time to reassess your equipment. And what a perfect time this week to bring on Dave Osted. The CEO of Osted's Golf, and you've heard this company for years. It's been around for years, and that really is a sign of uh, solidarity. So, without further ado, I'm going to welcome on Dave. Good morning, Dave.
2: How are you, Jeff? I'm doing great. I, I could use maybe five ten degrees warmer, yeah. but as you know, in the Midwest, you take what you can get. You know, you, you got to you just got to bundle up, and you got to put on another stocking cap. Get some cool weather gloves from Osteds and get out there and enjoy it. That's yeah, all you got to do.
1: Smoking like a true pro, Dave. Uh, you've done yeah, this
2: absolutely. before. Well, I got a tea time this afternoon, and I'm like, I'm not a, you know, I'm kind of a fair weather golfer, but I haven't played yet this year. And I'm like, I am just going to do it. I got to, man, I, so I got three layers. I'm just going to get out there and make it happen, you yeah, know. So
1: my father was, was such a huge golf guy, and he played in the era before we had such good tech equipment. Right. He didn't yeah. have uh, layers and, and microfibers and all these things. So I, just, I was, he's out at the Mord Country Club just, you know, with hat and, I don't know, wool coat or whatever. But, uh, you know, let's just start right there, Dave. What do you wear in, in something like this?
2: Well, I've got a moisture-wicking shirt on. Um, which it sounds weird, but when you wear a lot of layers, you actually can sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, so that actually pulls the, pulls the the moisture away. I don't think that's going to be great for warmth, but I got that on my first layer. And then I have a pullover, a Foot joy pullover that does an incredible job. They've got technology now that actually kind of reads your temperature. I mean, it's kind of crazy. And then I have another lightweight jacket that goes over that. And the technology today is they kind of build the warmth around you and obviously, it's important to also have a a cap if it's really cold and in, in your hands or use a lot of a lot of heat from your head and your hands but I mean, you can play very, very comfortably in apparel that moves with you as easy as it possibly can be and not blame that as your it's your excuse for not playing well. Because the apparel has, has come a long, long way uh, from what it was when my dad first started our business in 1963, which was, you know, golf wear was pretty much the flowered pants and the... Right. Uh, Polyester shirts that uh, you did not want to get close to a fireplace because it would just go up in flames in a <laughs> in a heartbeat. So we've come a long way.
1: Let's go to your family story. It's it's really an interesting story. Your your uh, was it your father Oscar that founded the the company. You just take it from here. How did this get going?
2: Uh, it's a it's a crazy story actually. Yeah, my dad's from uh, actually born in Steele, North, North Dakota. Hmm. Uh, went to went to school at Oak Grove Lutheran in, in Fargo. Uh, and then got into the insurance business, and um, he was an insurance claims adjuster for about 25 years. He had six kids uh, uh, based out of Sioux Falls with with all these kids. He was terrible at his job because he kept telling his bosses (laughs) how to do their business, and he kept getting fired. And he had six kids, and it was like, this isn't working very well. Mm -hmm. And at the time, my mother's brother's... Uh, this is right, you know, all the army men came back and all that, and then my, brother, my mother's brother started a company called Ram Golf in Chicago, Illinois, and their business was started by making uh, starter sets for the military uh, because they needed something to do on these army bases, and then as all these guys came back, they wanted to keep playing golf, so they decided, hey, let's keep making golf clubs, and they started building the business, and I think... I don't know the full story. My dad passed away about 20 years ago. I wish I knew more, but uh, I don't know if it was a family reunion or whatever. But they, my dad went up to him and he said, hey, do you think I could sell some of your stuff while I'm out doing claims adjusting for insurance? Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, yeah, fine. I want to make sure my sister gets, you know, gets fed. I'll I'll let you do it. So he would go out and if you had a dent in your bumper, he'd say, all right, I'll give you a hundred bucks for your bumper, by the way, do you golf? And if they said, yes, he says, come back over here to the trunk. I've got some golf stuff over here. (laughs) That's fascinating. And from that, he started actually using the Ram catalog. And I still to this day don't know how he came up with this idea of uh, mail order golf, but it just yeah, the timing was absolutely amazing. This was the early 1960s. It was really the first boom of golf because Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer were, were buttonheads uh, every week. Mm-hmm. Color television was just coming on board, so you could actually see the golf ball for the first time if you're watching it on TV. And you had all of these uh, people that all the, the game just absolutely exploded And my dad had the only golf catalog. My mom typed up the first catalog on the kitchen table. It was kind of a one-page mimeograph sheet after we got rid of the RAM catalog. And our first retail store was in the basement of our house. Uh, I was a couple years old, and you actually had to go through my bedroom to get to our first store in the basement. So dad would say, "Uh, Dave, make sure you wear nice pajamas tonight because i got (laughs) customers coming in about 8.30 the next morning. So... Uh, And from there, it just exploded. He got a deal with the uh, local phone company. This is back when phone books were a big deal. Uh Um, Many of your listeners probably have no clue what a phone book is, but (laughs) he got copies of phone books of every major city in the United States and then hired people to go through the Yellow Pages and pull out doctors, lawyers, dentists, uh, people that he thought were golfers, and then sent him a little postcard and said, hey, I have this golf catalog. If you're a golfer, return the other side of this postcard and we'll put you on the mailing list. And by the early 1970s, we were by far the largest distributor of golf equipment in the world. We had... Uh, 600 employees in Sioux Falls. We were mailing 26 million catalogs a year uh, to all 50 states. By the 1980s, we were translating our catalog into Japanese, Italian, Spanish. Hmm. Uh, we had a UK version, so all the all the uh, products were in pounds. <clears throat> In fact, one year the printer screwed up, and he sent the Japanese version to Sweden. That was not a great year <laughs> for international sales because the, the Swedish people are going. I don't have any yen. What is what is this about? I don't I don't get this. But we just exploded, and right. just you know happened to be at the right place at the right time. And we've had a couple iterations since then. At one point, we actually sold uh, the mail order business, and the people that bought it kind of ran it into the ground. No. Uh, and then I, I bought it back in the early two thousands. We've been focusing on retail now, which has been a really good uh timing for us because the game has changed a lot. This whole emphasis on custom fitting on uh in the in the in mail order you have a very hard time custom fitting somebody. You basically had a choice between regular or stiff shaft and that was it. And we would send it to you and away you go. Well now You come into our store, and we've got 200 shafts. We've got lofts and lies. we can adjust. We can change your grip size to whatever you need. We can do all different lengths. And we send our guys down to California, and they get trained by the same guys who are fitting Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson. And the guys know what they're talking about, and we've got evidence right on the wall or on the simulator that says – hey, your spin rate's too high on your driver and your loft is too high. We're going to take that down by doing this and this and this. It is a very different game from when my dad yeah. started it or my mom typed up the first catalog in 1963. Let's just put it that way.
1: Dave Osted is the CEO of Ostad's Golf on the Golf Coat Show. With Jeff Kopak on 107.3 FM, 740 The Fan. I'm struck, Dave, by how forward-thinking and a pioneer your father was I mean, we're, we're talking way ahead of his time here, correct?
2: Oh yeah, it was crazy, and you know, and I've thought the same thing, Jeff. And I'm not sure if it's forward thinking or if it was desperation. Because, like I said, I'd, I there were times that I'd ask him and say, "Where did you get this idea for a catalog?" And he's like, "Well, you know, back then there was like the Sears catalog, and 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 you know those kind of things, and there was kind of steel, but." To a large degree, uh, he had a couple of things that were his – I mean, he was the right place at the right time. He had an incredible commitment for customer service. The customer was always right. If if they had an issue, he would take care of them. He would bend over backwards to do whatever he needed to do. Uh, He didn't take credit cards. But if you called up from Maryland and you said, I want to buy a set of golf clubs, he would just say, you know what, I'm going to just charge it. I'll just I'll just charge it and I'll send you a bill later. And, you know, later on, I, I go through business school and I'm, I'm like, "Dad, this stuff is crazy what you're doing, man. Just let's use credit cards. Just he didn't have a toll free number because he had a focus on, you know, he wanted to make it this wholesale image. And his prices were significantly lower back in the early 60s. If you wanted golf equipment, your really your only shot was going to a pro shop at a country club that it would have, or or a, a golf course that would have very very limited product at a very high price, and that was it. I mean, there really was not a lot of options. What do you for, think? For what, do you think
1: what do you think? Oscar would think of the modern technology, the launch monitors, the things you guys uh, use to really hone people's game in?
2: He, he was not. Uh, let's just say my dad was as as successful as he was in the game. He was not a golfer. His, his game was horrendous. In fact, <laughs> after a while, the family would say, Dad... Um, do us a favor, if you go and play, could you just change your name, use an alias, something like that? <laughs> Bob it is Johnson not good for business. It, it is not good for business when you go out and play and you shoot a, you know, 106 or something. I mean, um, so he was he didn't have all the nuances of the fitting and all of that stuff. He enjoyed playing, but candidly he enjoyed tennis more than he did golf. And the whole fitting thing, um, in fact, he was, a, he was a cataloger, and I was just out of college, and I said, Dad, I think that the future is: we, we need to be hands-on. We need to see the golfers. We need to do retail. And and he said, I hate retail. I don't want to retail. I you know I got rid of it when we had that store down in the basement next to your bedroom. Um, but he he made me sign a letter that said, all right, if you open a store. Uh It has to be profitable the first year, or you can never mention the word retail' in front of me again and he had it notarized and he had it framed and he put, he put it in his office and he goes you every every month you know we get the financials and he goes, How's your retail thing going and i had, my first store I'd opened was in uh mm-hmm. was uh northern suburbs of minneapolis, and uh, as it happened, it just took off like crazy and before you know it, we had five stores, and today we have we have ten, uh, and we're always looking for more because it's. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't have no clue. He yep. would have. He, he did not like it at all.
1: <laughs> Dave Ostad so. is a CEO of Ostad's Golf. This is Jeff Kopak. If you recognize the last name, you should. If you're a golfer, certainly. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more with Dave on 107.3 FM and 740 The fans. Stay with us. Welcome back. This is the Golf Show with Jeff Kopak. As if I could say my name, it'd be even better. As presented by Nicolope Ultra. Dave Osted is the guest. He's a CEO of Osted's Golf, several stores over the Midwest. Fascinating family story. Dave, uh, on your website, you have what we believe. What we believe. We believe in family. We believe in lifelong friends. And we believe in mulligans. We believe in mulligans. You're honest.
2: Hey, you know, Jeff, here's here's my deal. I'm not a great golfer either. I mentioned yep. how bad my dad was. And um, it's funny because I'll go out on the first tee, mm-hmm. and typically people will be like, "Well, come up to me." And go, oh, Mister Rosta, that's just an honor to play with you today. I'm, I'm I'm so excited to play, and I'm just I'm just really nervous. And I'm like, "Hey, hold that thought, okay? Just just <laughs> hold that thought." <laughs> and by the third or fourth hole, and I'm having fun, mm-hmm. and you know, and and you know, I take a bogey, fine. I take a double bogey, fine. Not a big deal. But come up to me and go, hey. This is I had no idea, and I said, you mean, you did no idea I was so bad? No, 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 I just you just don't take it too seriously. and candidly, Jeff, I believe one of the problems with our industry is we take the game too seriously. I mean, it is an incredibly cool game. that You can go out with your kids, your wife, your your friends, your family, and you can be outside, you can get exercise, it's good for you, and we take it way too seriously. We're not going to make the tour. We're not going to go out there. and What? No! I, Jeff, I'm sorry to break this to you. I have not seen your swing, but <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, I don't think it's going to happen. And, uh, and the sooner you recognize that and you realize, hey, I'm out with my buddies the beer is cold the beer cart lady's cute what am i worried about i'm just out <laughs> enjoying myself let's have a good time and uh i play with some guys on uh on wednesdays and thursdays and we're all in the same mode we 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 honestly we don't really even add up the well we have the scores we all you know post our scores and all that but and we might exchange a couple of bucks at the end of the end of the round mm-hmm. but Golf is more of a social thing. It's there for, and I realize there's a number of them that are playing competitively, and that's great, too. It's it's great that the game can hit all those different levels. But what really kicks me off is when I'm at a party or something and people go, you're Dave, you're in the golf business, right? And I go, yeah, do you play? I'll say, well, I used to. Well, why don't you play anymore? That wasn't any good. I'm like, well, so what? <laughs> yeah, who cares? You know, first of all, I can help you. Come out and let's make sure you get the equipment that fits your swing. Let's make sure that happens. And I'm not guaranteeing you're going to be on tour because you won't, but you'll at least, you'll probably be in the rough instead of being in the woods. And you probably will be 15 to 20 yards farther with your drives. And then the other thing that I will, I have always said, pick the right tee box. Um, there's there's different tee boxes. Play it for forward. Oh my gosh, it drives me crazy because I today I'm going to go out and play, and I guarantee you, my son kills it. He hits it at 320, 330, no problem. And I'll go, great shot, that's awesome. And I will just walk by his tee box. I'll <laughs> walk by the next one. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it down, and you know, the first couple of times they'll go, oh, tee from the ladies' tees. I go, these are the forward tees, forward sir. tees. These thank are you. not the ladies' tees, thank you. And then I will have I will play, and and usually by the second or third hole, there's a couple of other guys that are. On my handicap, that will go. Thank you for doing that. I'm going to play up with you. That's great. I'm going to, and they'll get dumb. We'll go. This game was so much more fun playing from the forward tees. It's, uh, it's absolutely. Great.
1: You know, I think Dave. That's one thing COVID taught us last year, and in, in the golf industry in general, it's outside. Enjoy it. Have fun. You're cooped up because the pandemic has us all inside. Get outside and enjoy it. I think there was a revitalization in the game. Do you?
2: Oh no question. Uh, I honestly. Jeffy, the last time I saw this kind of interest in in golf was ninety six when ninety seven when tiger was going crazy and and that was frankly, I don't think that was as long term as what this is. This is a We we went from 23 million golfers nationally to 30 million in the Tiger boom in the late 90s. Unfortunately, about 5 million of those guys quit after about two or three years because they realized they weren't going to be playing like Tiger. Now, we have another three or four. We don't have all the numbers yet from the National Golf Foundation, but rounds played are exploding. Every single golf course is up. Rounds played are up a lot. And I think that's gonna stay because they're coming in for the right reason. They're coming in first of all they came in because their wife said, Get out of the house, I'm sick of seeing you. I need you to go out and go out and do something. But now once they play, they realize it's a great game, it's very good for you, it's healthy, it's fun to interact with people. You're right. COVID, you know, you weren't even able to with the social distancing thing, you had a hard time even seeing your friends. They're telling you you can't go to concerts, you can't go to restaurants, you can't do all this other stuff. But you can go outside, you you can, you can play with your friends. You can play a game that's a lot of fun, uh, and we have seen a revival of golf like I have not seen in 20 years. It's it's really neat to see, and the really great thing yeah. is it's not it's it's women. It's wives, it's kids, it's, it's people who played 10 years ago that are coming back and going, yeah, I'm going to take it up again, I'm going to get more serious with it. And, and the fitting process, I think, has helped a lot as well because it's, it's less frustrating now because we're literally, we are averaging about 20 yards farther for a fitting for drivers. We're, we're averaging a much less dispersion for irons if you go through the fitting process and you let our guys do it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it more fun.
1: And the problem with that is the courses are going 20 yards longer off the tee too. So that's why you play it forward, Dave.
2: That's why you play it forward. Absolutely. No question. It's it's uh yeah, and 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 of course we could get into this in in, in future shows because uh you know, I, we we have customers that walk in the door and they're like, "Yeah, I was watching the tour this weekend and you know, uh uh Bryson Deschambeau was 240 out. and He's hitting a 7-iron. You know, <laughs> can you get me dialed in like that? <laughs> uh, no, no. That Unless you want to get uh, your Bryson's age, you want to do his diet, you want to do his work regimen, and you want to spend seven, eight hours a day on the range, it's probably not. And still be athletic to be able to make the move that he does at impact where he's getting his wrist through and his swing speed is, you know, his ball speed is 198 not going to
1: happen i'm so glad you brought up the common man function with golf because the average score and greg mccullough was on a couple weeks ago on the show the average score is something around 118 120 115 it is not 79 it is not 85 it is not 90 so enjoy it i think that's such the if anybody out there takes anything away from our conversation with dave asta today is that enjoy the game you're not going to make the tour and I just think that's. Have you seen that change even in the last year or two, last five years? I know you kind of hit on a little bit before, but
2: I, I, I have. I, I think people are starting to realize that uh, the game of golf is great, and sure, you can get in tournaments and you can get competitive and have fun, and that's awesome. But for the general, you know, the, the general aspect of golf, enjoy the great shots. And this is this is another thing that we really focused on. Don't necessarily focus on your total score. When you get done with your round and you're sitting around with your buddies having a cold one, you know, you're not going to necessarily say, well, I shot a 97 or a 103 or whatever. You're going to talk about, do you remember that chip shot I had out of the sand? (laughs) I had no clue that thing would go in. I mean, that's really kind of all you need to have a great four-hour round. You need two, three, even one really good shot that you're able to say, yeah. Or you put an entire hole together where you drilled the drive down the middle. You hit a pure iron shot that, you know, up in the the sky, lands on the green. You had a great putt that went right maybe in for a birdie, maybe right next to it for a tap-in. But you're like... Yeah, that's great. It's not going to happen every hole. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, we talk to amateurs, and most of these pros only hit 50% of the fairways. Granted, the fairways are a lot narrower on tour, but 50%. You know, so what are we thinking? We're going to go out on a Saturday, uh, haven't played for a week, no warm-ups, don't go to the range. You know, it's 44 degrees out. We're wearing four layers of clothes, and we're thinking, yeah, I think I could probably be 3-4 over today. That'd be great. Let's get back
1: to We Believe. We believe in greenside celebrations for chip-ins, long putts, dropped, and even double bogeys. And let me have you a story here. I play with a couple guys on Friday mornings, and a couple, three years ago, I, I hit an eagle, eagle two on a par four to win the match or, or whatever game we were playing And that was like two, three years ago, and I had a picture of the ball, and they signed it. Guess what shows up on their (laughs) cell phones even like last week?
2: That's all it takes. I I mean, and I've got buddies that we played rounds – 15 years ago and we still, when we get together, we're having a cold one, we bring up that, you remember that shot we had, you know, we had that golf trip to TPC and you hit that three wood that came around all, you remember that? And of course, mm-hmm. all you got to do is remember somebody else's shot and they're just like, oh, my day is made. You remember my greatest shot ever? And it's just that I'm so glad that in 1963 my dad kind of literally tripped into this business because and I tell our sales guys this too, I mean, the the really great thing about our business is almost in every case, the customers who walk into our door, it's the highlight of their week. This is what they've been fired up for, especially if they go online and they make an appointment and they know that at 3 o'clock they're going to come out, they're going to see Ben out of their store in Fargo, and Ben's going to custom fit them. And, and they tell us, they go, I've been so stoked for this all week. I'm so excited to be able to go through this process. And then we get we do surveys afterwards we asked them how they feel their experience was and it's really it's really encouraging to see that um, they get excited about the whole fitting process and even more they, they can't wait for the clubs to come in and get out and play and you know instead of getting a seven iron from a certain distance now they're getting an eight iron and iron and they're more accurate it's more fun
1: well you brought up your father Oscar that's a perfect w- uh, way to wrap up this segment Dave thank you so much stars are in our listing area Fargo Sioux Falls Twin Cities
2: Correct. Yep st cloud, st. cloud. Uh, we, we we right down the road so you bet and we're online at osteds.com interested in making an appointment just go online uh book your appointment and we'll be ready for you and we'll make sure that we uh we have the right clubs for you
1: thank you dave we'll talk again
2: thanks jeff appreciate thanks. it
1: that's dave osted ceo of osteds golf this is the golf show is presented by michael oblite this is jeff kopak stay tuned jason lamp you're not not going to want to miss this uh one of the Best uh, pros around and certainly uh, been at some great places. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. This is The Golf Show with Jeff Kopak as presented by Michelob Ultra. Thanks again for Dave Osted for joining us in the first half of the show. That's, uh, man, he's got stories, uh, the, the father, the family lineage. It's just good stuff. I'm going to segue, it's a good segue from one family to another. This has been a great golfing family over the years, the Lamps from North Fargo. Pleased to be joined by Jason Lamp, the oldest son, who's been a golf pro at some of the finest golf courses in America, really. And we're talking about top 10 ranked courses. Without further ado, Jason, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm I'm doing absolutely wonderful. Because we're talking golf, and there's nothing better than talking golf. First of all, as long as I have Jack in the, in the studio here, that uh, we need to clarify something about um, the 19, what is it, Jack, 85 state basketball tournament? I'm going to start dating myself. Now, my... now Platson claims it was all him.
3: Well, DP was, uh, was a performer. Uh, I held Juno Pintar to probably 29 that day, maybe 31, <laughs> I'm not sure. But it was a young lamp that uh, lit the lamp. That's a hockey term. Sorry, Jeff. That uh, drained a deep shot. Now, the lamps could golf, but they could also strike from a distance in that three-point line, too. So, yeah. Thanks for bringing up that horrendous memory for yeah, me today,
1: Jeff, on your golf. Uh, Appreciate that. <laughs> good good memories, huh, Jason?
4: Oh, man. I still, you know, been uh, 30, it's been probably 30 years, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. We had a really good team that year. I mean, we were ranked First or second in the state most of the year, and you know you have Mr. Basketball in your team—that always helps.
3: The what? collision of that, by the way, the collision of, of WHS and we were huge—six-eight, six—you know, Mike Hendrickson, six-five, myself, six—we were just huge. And then North was I, just—I think
4: your—I I think your smallest guard was as big as our biggest player, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and, and North was just chalked with talent, and it was the old Canute for us, our coach and Ray Callahan and his plaid. Coat if I remember right, Jason. But so lucky he did. He wore that lucky
4: jacket, I think the last fifteen or
0: sixteen
4: games of the year. It
3: was it was just this battle of like two Titans in North Dakota. They were one, I think we were two. It was it was uh, pretty cool. But I, I of all those things and a controversial call and all that, Jeff. But uh Jason, I just remember big threes that were knocked down and so I will give some love to Darren Platts and certainly to uh Juno who's yep. probably tuning in today. He's one of my BFFs. But. Can, can we get to golf? Or are you going to oh, hijack my show? Oh, I'm sorry. How much time do you have? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> be out the so end anyway, in hour. I'm 6'5 and a lefty. Uh, how do you? Uh, can you teach me to golf better? There, there's my golf there question go. today.
1: 6'5 and a left-hander. There you go. Well, Jason is a director of golf at Galloway National in New Jersey. Jason, how's the, uh, how's the golf business out east?
4: The golf business out east is booming. Yeah. Uh, Last year, we were up about 35% in our play. You know, somewhat related to the pandemic. Uh, you know, it's been a little crazy out on the East Coast with rules, regulations, masks, uh, building, food, the whole works. It's really, really been a challenge for us, but uh, we made it through last year pretty unscathed. Uh, nobody got sick, and we were, we were off the charts busy.
1: Now, was that a surprise to you? Because around here and... And again I'll reference uh, the local public courses when Greg McCullough was on with us. They blew it out of the water around here. Did that surprise you last year considering the pandemic?
4: I think it was something that golf really needed. I mean, it was, you know, probably the safest thing that you could do for, for basically for the whole year last year. I mean, you know, people weren't working and playing more golf and it, it was great. I mean, new new people playing the game. Uh, you know, if we can even retain, you know, 20% of the new people that played from last year, I think it's just, it's a bright future for the golf business right now.
1: Tell me about uh, Galloway National. It's It's been highly ranked. It's in the top 25 in golf week. And I know Golf Digest ranked it, I believe, a top five or six course. What makes a course so special like that?
4: Well, I think it starts with the, the vision of the project, which our founders have had since uh, you know, the early 90s, and uh, they traveled around the country and tried to find the right architect to build. And they hired Tom Fazio. And, you know, Tom's done 400 and some golf courses, and we're still in his top, you know, two, three golf courses that he's ever done. Uh, Galloway's an unbelievable place. It uh, sits on Reeds Bay. We have six holes on the water, uh, views of the skyline of Atlantic City. Really a neat, neat property.
1: How did you get out there?
4: I actually uh, graduated from college, came back and played uh, a summer of amateur golf in 90, moved, turned pro moved to the East Coast, and I've actually been out here ever since.
1: Now, you were an assistant at Pine Valley, and for those that don't know, Pine Valley, it's got a number one ranking with a, with a couple publications. Let's start with that, Pine Valley. Tell me about Pine Valley.
4: I was an assistant at Pine Valley from 92 to 96. Uh, what a great experience. Uh, we were number one golf course in the world when I was there. Pretty much still is one or two between that and uh, I think where they had the British last year, I think the Royal County down, I think they kind of, you know, trade off going back and forth world number one. It's been number one in the U.S. basically every year for the last 25. I think I got to move past it one year, but it was a great way to start my career in this business. It was a great place to be an apprentice, and you know I still cherish those days, remembering when we were there and the great people that I met. And I'm still in touch with uh, with my old boss there. So I probably get over there a couple times a year still to play.
1: Great. Now, is there a relationship, Jason, between degree of difficulty and a great course? I mean, can you have a top five, top ten course? Which isn't seven thousand five hundred yards long. Is is, is there a uh, is is there a happy medium there?
4: Yeah, I mean I think what you're seeing on, on tour is especially is, is length does nothing for these guys. I mean you can I think Kepka's performance in at Aaron Hills is a perfect example of a golf course that played seventy six hundred yards long and I can't remember what he shot. He was pretty deep under par though. Yeah. Uh, and then what you'll see is like the Chicago, the tournament they had in Chicago, where they toughen it up and narrow the fairways and make it impossible to hit out of the rough. But I think even par one there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, and it doesn't. I mean, so it's the Bryson DeChambeau effect, right? I, you can only make a course so long. At some point, you got to make shots. You got to hit the the, the the approaches. You know, you, you need the five foot birdie putt, not the twenty foot birdie putt. So, and Larry Murphy said this once on the show. He said scores in the last 30, 40, 50 years, they necessarily haven't come down that much. And I said, why? Even with all the all the technology and, and everything that goes with the modernization of golf, but people still three-putt. And, and what's your response to that? I mean, have scores in your mind really been drastically lower?
4: I don't think. You know, I think, again, you know, what like I said, if you get the golf course that, you know, there's not a premiere on accuracy. You see what these guys do. They take out driver, they carry it three forty, it goes three sixty, and they're gonna have some kind of wedge or you know, to get it out in front of the green. Mm-hmm. You can see what happens when you go play, you know, golf courses like Augusta. What one of the Augusta ten under. I mean, that's been you know, uh I think DJ set the scoring record last year at minus eighteen and Tiger headed before that, baby at minus seventeen, but that that tournament at Augusta is always between 9 and 9, 10, 11, 12 under par is usually the winner.
1: Jason Lamp is the director of golf at Galloway National in New Jersey. Fargo North graduate joins us on the golf show with Jeff Kopak. Jason, do you think the members at Augusta got a little irritated that DJ just tore their course apart and wanted to toughen up a little bit? Do you think there was a little inner uh, ego there going on?
4: Yeah, without question, and I think also time of year made a difference. I don't think they can ha they can pr- produce the same kind of playing conditions in when did they have that event last year November
1: yeah something like that right
4: yeah, you know you can't can't produce the in the south you can't produce those same you know firm fast conditions like you saw I mean if it wouldn't have rained the second day, I think the scores would have been probably closer to seven or eight under mm-hmm. you know it got soft, and then Hideki shoots sixty six on Saturday and kind of you know kind of lapsed the field there because what he shoot I think he shot seventy three the last day and you know won by a shot or two. It's was exciting to watch. Kind of kicks off the the golf season. That Masters weekend.
1: How is the what's what's the difference between golf in the East Coast and what you grew up in the Midwest? Or is there a difference?
4: Uh, we we have a little bit of a longer season than than in in the Midwest. Uh, we you know last year we were playing pretty comfortable till about the first of December. Weather out here December January February is cold. We get a little bit of snow, not much because we're close to the so close to the ocean. So uh, you know, not as cold. I think our average temp in the winters, you know, low mid to low thirties. Where you guys had a pretty cold winter this year?
1: Yeah, it was all right. I mean, but we're out. I mean, it, it, this was a tough week with snow, but uh, people have been out golfing since March. So as you know, if you can get out and golf in March in Fargo, North Dakota, that's a good start. And Edgewood isn't flooded either, or none of the courses.
4: That's my home course. That's
1: where I grew up. That's awesome. Jason, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more with Jason Lamp. He is the director of golf at Galloway National. This is Jeff Kopak on 107.3 FM and 740 The Fan. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. This is the final segment of the golf show as presented by Niccolo Baltra. This is Jeff Kopak. Jason Lamp is the guest. He is a director of golf at Galloway National out in New Jersey. One of the top courses in the country, and Jason's been around with uh, a few of the top courses in the country. Tom Fazio, I want to talk about architects for a second here because you've seen some of the best. What is it? What makes a good architect? What makes Tom Fazio? Tom Fazio, Jason.
4: I just think that the attention to detail that Tom puts into his golf courses is, is quite remarkable. And I also thought one of the things that is special about Tom is that he he you know, he envisions the, the the golf course as he's walking it. And the, the ideas that he comes up with, just as far as like tree placement and trees to aim at on other sides of the fairways, he is magical with that, kind of, with that kind of thing. And one thing that's really neat about Galloway is that you have 18 individual holes and you really don't see another hole from the other hole that you're playing.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, I heard this about Tom Lehman when he was doing Windsong Farm, which is a course I know you're familiar with in the Twin Cities, that when he was putting that together, he would literally, and it was nothing, it was pasture, he'd literally get out of the golf cart, start trudging through the the sloughs and whatever, and have a vision of, of, of where a hole would go. Now, that's got to be a God-given ability, isn't it? I mean, could you and I do oh, that? Go
4: ahead. A- absolutely, hundred percent. If you see the routing that Tom did at Galloway, you know us being right on right on Reed Bay, with basically a, the small island of Atlantic City between us and the ocean. I mean, the views that we have are they're breathtaking at times.
1: Now, par threes, long, short, and where do you uh, stand on? So we have yeah,
4: we have five par threes. We have three on the front nine, uh, one, five, and eight. Uh, or two, five, and eight. Two is a hundred and thirty-nine yard par three. Uh, five is like one eighty-nine, and eight is about one ninety. And then on the back nine, we have a two hundred and twenty-five yard par three. It's kind of our signature hole. Uh, the green sits out on the wall, out on uh, on Reed Bay. Great views in the background, and that plays to about two and a quarter from the, our middle tees, our blue tees.
1: You know, I was talking about this. So, with, our our uh,
4: variety of par threes on our golf course is some of the best variety I've seen on eighteen holes in all the places I've been fortunate enough to play.
1: Because it's different lengths, correct?
4: Different lengths, correct. I think you need to use. You hit you the one nice thing about Galloway that uh, that people say when they come here is you hit every golf club in your bag. I'm right just going to say that, correct? Yep.
1: And, and I think that's so big and important. I think it's great for the golf experience. It's just not okay. Get out the driver hit at this, and then you got the same seven, four, five iron into the green. Uh, To me, that's not what I'm looking for all the time. I need to, you need to think about golf. And the mental part of golf is so important, I think, to anybody, and especially if you want to hit some good scores. When you teach, Jason, do you teach the mental part of golf, or is it mostly the swing or everything?
4: I think it. I I think they go hand in hand a little bit. I'm I'm always one of the things that I'm a firm believer in when you teach is to give the player some confidence. Yep. And I, I'm hoping that by the time that he spends, you know, uh, an hour-long lesson with me that he's going to have some confidence when he goes on to that first tee to have an idea of what he's looking to do. Uh, I think that's part of That's part mental. That's You know, that's part mental, being ready to play. Mm-hmm. One thing I see that's a huge distraction for golfers is, is the cell phones.
1: <laughs> do you allow it? Do you yeah. allow cell phones in your it, course?
4: We do. I mean, we're you know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of places on the East Coast and bigger cities that there's a strict cell phone policy, just don't use them. You know, we just we tell our membership and guests to, to use them with common sense. Common sense isn't standing out in the fourth fairway screaming at somebody for business. You know, and we mm-hmm. try to avoid that kind yep. of thing, but I see cell phones being a huge distraction for golf.
1: How has the game changed over the years as far as how you teach it? Do you are you do you take advantage of, of the modern technology? Are you old school? How have how have things? How have you adapted, I guess, to the new way of uh, of golf, if you will?
4: I guess I'm I'm caught a little bit in the middle of of, technolo- of technology. I mean, was taught old school. Still do a little old school teaching. But bringing technology into teaching now is is the wave of the future. You know, we have a launch monitor at the club. Uh, I use it occasionally. Uh, one thing I don't like about the launch monitor is everybody thinks they hit their driver two hundred and fifty, <laughs> and when you actually get them on the launch monitor, that's not the case.
1: Yep, yep.
4: So that can also be a detriment when you're teaching too. But I will tell you that most most good teachers now are teaching speed and rotation. That's kind of the hot topics on tour. You're looking at lower body rotation. Uh, you know, there's there's been some nice training aids that have helped with the speed sticks and the Orange Whip. And, you know, there's a couple other things that if you, you know, want to improve your your distance, that's one of the things I would recommend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm a big believer in the Orange Whip. I actually gave it to your father for a while, so uh, I know he's gone through a little back issue and, and allowed him to loosen up and, and things like that. So, I mean, I think that you know stuff like that has a huge purpose in the game. What is the future, Jason, as far as where the golf game is going? When you GMs and and you directors get together, what do you talk about?
4: You know, one of the one of the things we're talking about is is you know the the youth golfers that are you know starting to, to get into the you know their mid twenties and and where where do they go from here and. You know, we're always trying to promote younger people at the club. I mean, there's your future of golf. You know, you're you're going to have your member that's been at your club for 25 years. He's going to continue the tradition, and we need that younger crowd to continue the, our tradition of this great game.
1: Mm-hmm. Do the youth, are, are you seeing it out there? Are they engaged?
4: You know, when I was growing up, golf was not cool. Golf was not chic back in the, in, you know, in the 80s. I mean, that was basketball, NBA, and high school golf was not very big. I think we only probably had six or seven people on our high school team at Fargo North. And now they're getting 20 kids to try out for golf teams out here.
1: Oh, outstanding. And I
4: think that's just showing where the game is going.
1: Outstanding. Jason Lamp is the guest. He is a Fargo North graduate. He is a director of golf at Galloway National out in New Jersey. Ah, uh, Jason. Before I let you go, the the golf industry had a great year last year. Do you th- do you see that continuing this year? It's it's early, but can we continue to keep moving this thing forward?
4: I, I my opinion is that it's going to be very busy again this year. Uh, we've already seen a little bit of uh, decline in play, and I think that was just because. A lot more people on the East Coast are going back to work. Our kids are getting back into school out here. And youth sports was cleared by our governor. So, you know, in the last three weeks here, we're, we've we've been busy, but not as busy as we were last year. But, mm-hmm. you know, when the summer comes, that's kind of our time. And I expect it to, you know, to be busy for the next couple years. And like I said before earlier in the conversation, if we can retain some of this, especially some of the new people that that took up the game in the last, year to 18 months I think you know there's there's a bright bright future going forward in this game
1: that's good to hear Jason when you come back we need to we need to uh, tee it up a little bit and uh, you know I'm not going to give your father as many shots as he's going to beg for which he always begs for but uh, we will we will play that'll be fun
4: I'd love to do it
1: Thanks. That's Jason Lamp. He's the director of golf at Galloway National. That'll do it for another edition of the golf show with Jeff Kopak. Again, thanks to our sponsors, the Fargo Park District, the Moorhead Public Courses, Forest Hills, Wildflower Golf Club, and of course, Osteds. And my thanks to Dave Osted for joining in beginning the show, and of course, Jason Lamp. This is Jeff Kopak. Until next week, hit them straight.
0: Thanks for listening to The Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen
1: anything like that?
0: Presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Forest Hills, Moorhead Parks, Wildflower Golf Course, and Austeds Golf. Join us next Saturday from 10 to 11 a.m. for another edition of The Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on The Fan.